Welcome to today's first Fifth Step podcast. Uh, this is the first of a series of podcasts. Um, today I'm with Darren Ray, who's uh, CEO of Fifth Step. Um, and then in the first of this series of podcasts, we'll be looking at the topic of cybersecurity and resilience. Um, we'll be drilling down into that subject by examining how robust project management should be at the forefront of the secure, uh, cybersecurity battle. Um, so, Darren, um, great to be here with you today. Um, so, how um, can effective cybersecurity management um, become part of uh, an enterprise wide responsibility? I mean, you spend a lot of time with members of the C suite and board talking to them about their cybersecurity issues. So, what's the most common question you get asked? Well, Chris, I think the most common question I get asked is, um, what should I do? Um, that's um, that's a, the, the most common question. I, I guess the second most common question is, um, is cybersecurity really a threat to my organisation? So I address both of those questions in, uh, um, in pretty much the same way, really. Um, there's three steps I recommend any organisation take um, initially. Get an assessment. Get a cybersecurity assessment. Understand where your company's strong, where it's weak. It may be that you do have everything covered, but all too often organisations defer the responsibility for cybersecurity to their IT department. It's not just an IT concern, it's an entire business concern. So get a cybersecurity assessment, understand where your organisation is strong, then train your entire staff, make them um, cybersecurity aware. In doing that, you're helping them um, avoid the, the, the common phishing attacks and uh, spear phishing attacks where um, criminals will send emails to them. And this is a help to them not only in their business life and to the organisation, but it can actually stop them becoming uh, targets um, in their personal life as well and suffering identity fraud as, a, um, uh, as an individual. So where, do you, uh, so where do you begin by educating your uh, members of your organisation? What are the, the, the first principles of educating a, a whether it's a, a company of, say, 50 people or a company of, say, 10,000 people. There are, diff are there different approaches? With, uh, with such a broad scale and size of uh, organisation as that, yes, there are uh, different approaches. Obviously, you're not going to be able to train, um, well, even 50 people, you're not going to be able to train in one hit. You're going to need to, uh, to stagger that. But uh, there are many different approaches um, that, we, you know, that we would recommend, including... Uh, um, you know, CBT or online um, you know training sessions can help. CBT, uh, computer-based training right. um, uh, sessions can help. They can raise awareness, but to really engage people, we typically find that um, doing a face-to-face uh, -face training session is the best. Now, some organisations will want to do that with their in-house training capability. So there's um, a, a, perhaps a way of training their trainers, their usual trainers, and getting those guys up to speed so they can actually do those training sessions. Other organisations just want to train key people. Um, and then, um, yeah, other organisations will want to train everyone um, by sending them to um, you know, external courses or, uh, or internal courses. Now, these don't need to be long and drawn out uh, courses right. in their... Um, in their structure, um, you know, it's perhaps a, a, you know, a two or a three or a half a day um, kind of um, event um, to actually bring that, uh, bring that, raise that awareness. The the reason that awareness is so important, though, is because it's your staff who are getting the the phishing emails. You know, the oh, you have an overdue invoice um, emails that all too often get lost in the, in a size organisation. They get sent through to accounts. 
the accounts team uh, perhaps query it as a you know oh it's a new vendor you should have filled out the new vendor form and you know before long the invoice has been paid and you know it's perhaps not an amount that raises any any questions but it's an amount that's been paid um, to a, crim a criminal enterprise. Right. In your in your impression of speaking to talking to either CIOs or you know COOs and chief execs, um, is your perception that this cyber information security is a risk that's in say the top five of their sort of on their risk register now, or is it still not something that they've really taken as seriously as they might be? Oh, our boards and C suites are absolutely um, taking this more seriously. I think there was a number of events over the last couple of years. Um, both in Europe and within uh, you know, North America. I mean, the Target um, event in, uh, in North America where, um, where lots of personal identifiable information was stolen, credit card information was stolen, um, I think that really raised awareness within the, the, the United States at that right. point in time. And, and the talk would be Sony after that. Yeah, Sony was also yeah. Sony was another massive one in that respect. I mean, I think that was seen a little bit differently because whilst emails were compromised, uh, they were emails of famous people, um, and um, you know it's not quite the same thing as uh, you know your personal credit card um, or national security number, um, you know, being uh, um, being taken compromised, yeah, being compromised exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, do you think? One day all of us will be hacked. Could you see, imagine a world where one day 100% of the population will be hacked? I know I mentioned that because I was reading some research, um, doing some research, and uh, a guy from the FBI, a chap called Robert Mueller, yeah. uh, director there, he said um, in 2012, I'm convinced that there are only two types of companies, those that have been hacked and those that will be. Uh, and even they are converging into one ca category, 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 companies that have been hacked and will be hacked again. Would you agree with that? I mean, are we all going to be hacked one day? Uh, I would. Um, I would hope that the the actions and the mitigative steps that, that organisations, you know, like Fifth Step, are are recommending will be taken up by organisations and actually start to stem that flow a little. But you know, um, the Robert Mueller quote is one of my favourite quotes because it really does speak um, to how organisations um, ignore. Um, important events, things that aren't uh, impacting them right at this very moment. This is a, you know, cybercrime is a is a um, a deferred damage um, crime right. in many respects because the crime takes place today. It's perhaps not recognised for another month, and then it's another month before. Um, the media storm actually um, you know kicks off and things like that, and then it's six months then before the media storm you know, stops because by that point in time, you know, everyone who's going to complain to a newspaper or to a television station, you know, about how their credit card was, you know, has been compromised um, and they've been away on holiday and living yeah. in a cave and haven't seen the news and they've lost thousands of pounds or dollars through this, um, um, through this event and through the inaction of a company. So that's, that's why it's fair to say that conducting a current state assessment helps an organisation, um, where it needs to improve. Well, it's like um, you know, it's like anything really. You can't, you know. I think it was Drucker, um, you know, the management um, uh, guru, who have said um, you can't manage what you don't monitor. Um, and if you're if if you're believing your own hype that oh we're you know we're completely covered, um, you know, in respect to our cyber security, um, then you know that's fine. You perhaps are, you know, perhaps you do have the internal skills to actually make sure you're one hundred percent covered. But having an external assessment just helps. It points out some of the areas, and it helps 
um, ensure that it's a whole business um, activity as opposed to a um, you know a single department activity. Um, you know, so that it's not just IT's well, responsibility. I, I suppose it makes sense. It would be difficult for you to, to conduct a, a, an assessment of your cyber risk. Could you maybe part of the, you're actually part of the cyber risk yourself? You could be the one who's going to be causing uh, a breach of your security to happen. So you really need sort of third party assessment of that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully people are, um, you know, are not causing uh, causing the cybersecurity uh, breach, but people do get, um, you know, uh, tricked into taking action. Um, you know, the, the phishing emails that I mentioned earlier on are a perfect example, but there are lots of different ways that people get, uh, get tricked. Um, you know, they get tricked by phone calls pretending to be the IT department asking for their password and things like that. Uh, you know, they get tricked by websites that um, you know pretend to be their corporate intranet asking for their user ID and password. So, you know, there are many sophisticated ways of uh, of tricking people into giving their uh, their credentials away and giving permission to um, you know, utilize company resources in a way that the company doesn't actually want those uh, those utilized. I think something for me, speaking as a, as a layman in this, in this regard, but to a certain degree, but there's so, when we talk about cyber, it's, it's about a lot more than just digital. Sort of process, isn't it? I mean, it's extent, it extends now even to like paper security, managing, you know, when you're in a call center environment, or you know, when you're making calls, how you file your, your paper records and that kind of stuff, because that can all be compromised. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the um, you know the the areas that or the organisations that would be most familiar with this are those that take. Um, credit card payments via telephone. So as you say, if they've got a contact centre and they're taking credit card payments by telephone, um, most organisations, in fact all organisations um, these days, um, need to be uh, PCI, that's payment card industry um, compliant. Now that means that they have to store the information and store means the paper copies as well as the digital copies, they have to store that information securely. So that means that you can't just scribble the, the uh, credit card number down on a post-it note and then put it in a bin. Um, you know, the information has to be keyed into the system. It shouldn't be um, you know, written down and stored in any, any way. Um, you know, the CSV number, um, you know, the three digits on yeah. the back of most cards, um, you know, shouldn't be stored alongside the, uh, the, the, the long card. Uh, number and then that information has to be uh, destroyed securely too. Right, right. Um, so, why is project management so critical in, in, in your you know, in your view? Uh, what can we do in the, from a pro project management perspective to manage these risks? Well, uh, security is only ever a point in time um, event. So, um, I can say um, you know uh, this organisation is um, is completely secure at the moment. Um, I can say that, but that's only ever a point in time because there may be new vulnerabilities that are discovered. It may be that hackers discover a new way of, um, you know, of, of, uh, of breaking into an organisation, a new vulnerability in a piece of software. Sure. Software is updated all the time, uh, not forgetting. Um, um, so you know, a new uh, a new software patch may um, may fix one problem, but open another one that the hackers then exploit. So things are changing all the time now. Planned change in the form of project change um, is an area where organisations have um, very good control over that. So, really, organisations need to be, as part of them, you know, considering uh, their project management um, uh, methodology and capability, um, part of their cybersecurity landscape and their cybersecurity defences. Because if you have an organisation that's um, secure today, 
As things change, they implement new systems, they implement new infrastructure, they implement new um, uh, internet uh, breakouts, they inter introduce new policies and procedures, all of them probably through uh, some form of project and project management. Um, they need to consider um, information security, cyber security, business continuity, uh, disaster recovery and data quality all in part and parcel, all, of part, all as part of the project um, so that the organization um, not only has a point in time, it doesn't treat its cyber security and its information security as a, as a project that you know, takes place once a year and oh we're, you know, we're secure again and sure. then it slowly slides downhill from, you know, for the next six months until they do another you know, assessment and um, you know, then uh, you know, six or seven vulnerabilities are spotted. Um, it has to be a continuous process and it has to be a continual part of your project management um, implementation. So if you're implementing a new system, actually making sure that that system is secure, meets your security standards, and doesn't introduce a new um, vulnerability when it's coupled with the rest of your infrastructure is, you know, is an important part. That's why I consider uh, project management to be a key part of your cyber security. And process. the knock-on benefit of that, I guess, is what if you're doing your uh, upgrading your cyber security or continuously monitoring that, then it has uh, it flows into other areas of your IT general control. So you get into providing a more sort of strategic sort of uh, assessment ba you know, basis of your IT generally. Yeah, sure. I mean, you get you get those benefits too, but. It also means that members of the project team um, responsible for implementing a new system that's uh, that's arguing this in this instance. You know, if someone's implementing a new claim system for an insurance company, for example, yeah. uh, they want to make sure that that claim system isn't going to introduce any uh, any issues. Now, as the security is tested as part of the project, it raises the awareness of all of the project team. So whether they be subject matter experts from the claims team in this um, in this instance, yeah. or the project manager themselves, or other aspects of um, IT or the business team, it raises the awareness all the way through. So it almost becomes part of your um, cyber security and information security awareness um, yes. and training to actually uh, um, ensure your systems remain secure. Uh, well, you've touched on you know, insurance claims there, but you come from uh, an insurance background, don't, don't you? I mean, you've worked in the you know, London market for a number of years now. Hmm. Uh, I won't say many decades, because that would be cruel and unkind, Chris. <laughs> but um, uh, lots of surveys and investigations, uh, I mean, into cyber, they point out that actually insurance companies are directly affected themselves, aren't they? So, you know, what, what areas... Do they, with, with a risk manager of an insurance company, for example, or a bank, need to particularly be focused on? You know, the industry sector doesn't really matter as much as taking the action to get an, an initial assessment. There are some industries that um, are um, closer to the cutting edge or you know, closer to being better at doing this than others, and there are some sectors that are worse. Um, I think that insurance um, organisations are risk-based risk organisations, so very often they will view the risks but viewing the risks is really about getting that, that assessment so you understand the risks. You understand yeah. the risks as they face your organisation and they're coupled with your risk appetite because there may be risks that um, you know, company A uh, would be willing to bear and willing to, um, uh, you're willing to take that uh, company B wouldn't. Sure. Uh, and that's perfectly acceptable and perfectly, uh, perfectly right so long as uh, they're understanding those, those risks and their exposure to them. Are there sort of what reading materials would you recommend that someone who's uh, 
had the responsibility or even just an interest within an organisation amongst the um, cybersecurity they should, should read. Uh, I mean, we've obviously got the ISO, we've got the NIST frameworks. Which of these are the ones that you would say you, you recommend think people should pick up and read? It really, it really depends on, um, you know, for the C-suite, um, you know, the ISO um, standards, the Information Standards Authority um, um, organisation, sorry, um, they, um, you know, they have very, very good standards, well respected uh, around the around the world, and um, but their material is very dry. It's aimed at the, um, you know, the subject matter experts um, typically, as as opposed to. Um, you know, C-suite executives. Yeah. The NIST framework, which is an American-based uh, framework, uh, NIST standing for the National Institute of Standards and Technology, um, their reading material tends to be a little bit more digestible, it tends to be a little bit more um, uh, friendly for you know, a, a board member or a C-suite executive. Um, however, there are many, many articles out these days. I mean, the media, you know, cybersecurity yeah. is one of those topics that the media has got hold of and just isn't letting go because it's, you know, it's big news, it's concerning news, and it's something really that's that's turned from a, um, you know, a, a bedroom project for, you know, for hackers, uh, you know, for uh, amateur hackers in the last, you know, 20 years, if you like, um, you know, to a a real concern for national security. You know, the government are taking big steps to um, sure. to help organisations and point organisations in the right direction. It's not just that, you know, it touches on all of our lives in some ways. I don't think all of us, um, I mean, I had my, my credit card um, was duplicated six months ago, sure. um, which is annoying for me from a personal level because I was trying to make a payment and had money in the bank and I couldn't yeah. understand why. And then I suddenly realised, phoned up the bank and they said, yeah, well, your card's been copied. Um, you know, we're gonna. We're sorry about this, but you're gonna have to get it ripped up. We're gonna send you a new one, and sure. it was a, an unpleasant feeling. So you, you know, you must. I think you've mentioned in the past. You know, individuals who've uh, suffered. Have you got any ex examples you could recount, which might be of interest? Well, I think that's. I mean, I think we could all, um, you know, recount examples of individuals who have, um, you know, been um, the victim of, um, you know, either you know, credit card cloning. Um, you know, there are increasingly sophisticated ways that you know cyber criminals are. Are, are targeting both individuals and organisations, and the key is here: it's and organisations now. And you know, remember, we're not just talking about hackers here. You know, um, hackers are a big part of it. You know, a hacker being, um, you know, a hacker being someone break, who breaks into a computer system. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, in a general term. Um, but we're also talking about things like uh, malware. You know, now that malware, um, you know, includes viruses, includes. Uh, Trojan software, so software that looks like it's something else, but also includes um, something else on the inside. So it may include a piece of software that does key logging, for example, and sends you know every key you press um, through to a, a criminal's server. So if you're you know busy uh, typing in um, you know your bank access code, really? for example, yeah. yeah, or your credit card numbers, then those numbers can be. Uh, those uh, key presses can be then picked up by uh, a criminal. They can see exactly what it is that you did, that you went to a website, you know, www.mybank.com. Um, you then um, uh, typed in uh, a user ID and a password. They then have that user ID and password. Was that? I no idea. Oh, Chris, there are many, many ways that organisations are... So they're doing that live or they do it, they sort of, uh, they, they, they do that process that information hours after it's done or whatever? 
uh, it's a combination of both. It depends how much, how focused it is in some uh, you know in some uh, some instances. So uh, and of obviously the the other um, you know concerning one and we've seen a number of uh, these kind of things um, in the news recently is ransomware. You know this is software that um, you know gets downloaded uh, to uh, to the computer um, and then starts to encrypt uh, the entire well typically not the not quite the entire hard disk, but all of the documents. Right. Uh, and it won't just be the documents on that computer. If it's a laptop that's connected to your, you know, your corporate LAN, it may also be encrypting the network drives. So, you know, and then the end goal is that the organisation uh, that's produced this wants wants money. So they're holding your data to ransom. Hence the, uh, hence the sure. ransomware uh, term. So you then have to pay an amount, and that amount may be, um, you know, a thousand dollars. It may be fifteen thousand dollars. But it, uh, it's typically time bound. So you have, you know, twenty four to seventy two hours typically to actually pay the ransom. And if you don't, then um, then uh, the key's deleted. Uh, and that means that the data can never be recovered right. uh, because it's using strong encryption. So, so would you say that the, the, the hacker's motivation now um, uh, is primarily sort of uh, financial? Has it moved away? I mean, in my brain, uh, you're going to get to see my age from this, but I remember you know, seeing Matthew Broderick in War Games you know, <laughs> yeah. in the eighties making sure. sure. Um, it was the teenage hacker, but presumably they, those people still exist. But it's moved on; it's become more sophisticated. It's, Financially motivated, it seems to be one of them. Yeah, it's definitely financially motivated. I think there's probably, um, you know, there are many different groups and subgroups of um, of hacker. Um, um, the uh, the financially motivated um, um, certainly form uh, a big part of um, you know the hacker community. Um, probably about um, I'm just recalling some stats. Probably about fifty percent of the cybercrime committed. Um, is uh, by um, you know cyber criminals, so those yeah. who are financially motivated. Um, the other part, or the uh, the next largest part, is committed by hacktivists. So those with a, an agenda, not necessarily a financial, or not usually a, a, a financial agenda. Now this can be organisations like Anonymous, for example. You know those who. Um, have a, a grudge against uh, the banking system, for example, um, you know, or have ideals that don't uh, that they feel um, certain organisations um, don't, don't share. And hacktivists are a big part of um, you know the uh, the cyber environment, cyber crime environment at the moment. So, in a way, I suppose that you could argue that um, even you know your the, the ethics of your organisation, the kind of business that you're in. Could leave leave you open to being hacked by someone if you're depending if you're working in say the field of energy on being on petroleum or well, you know, mean, pharmaceuticals. I mean that, that probably if, if your if your business is perceived to be say an unethical business, arguably then you, the chance that you're opening yourself up to hacking. Well, at the point at the point of recording this, uh, Chris, there is uh, at uh, at the moment um, anonymous are running um, Operation Icarus. Um, Operation Icarus is targeted at the uh, infrastructure of the financial services sector. So they're targeting banks, they're targeting some regulators, they're uh, they're targeting um, stock exchanges and things like that. So right. um, they uh, um, and by targeting, they are looking to um, you know take websites down. They're looking to disrupt the business of that organisation uh, or those organisations. And there's a you know there's a list on the uh, of organisations they're targeting. They've openly said. You know, you are on our list. We are targeting you yeah. um, as part of uh, Operation Icarus. Icarus. So, um, 
yes, the, um, the sector you work in, the business that you conduct, the type of organisation you are, um, you know, is going to, uh, may attract, um, um, you know, hacktivist attention, uh, depending on the nature of the organisation. So, yeah, so arguably, from a strategy point of view, you need to plug into all sorts of different areas. You need to plug into your legal team, your compliance team, and even maybe your PR team. To, you know, to well, that's very much why it's a whole business um, activity. The cybersecurity is a whole business activity, Chris. It's not just... Um, you know, the IT uh, team's responsibility. Sure, they have a big part to play in making sure that the organisation um, is protected, you know, that they've got, the, they've got good firewalls in place and things like that. But, you know, as I say to um, people when I'm talking about this on panels and things like that, um, building a bigger firewall just means that someone's going to look for another way around. They look for the other weak link. You know, if you've got a really good firewall, then perhaps they'll target... Um, you know, target your people through um, phishing, right. uh, you know, phishing emails, um, you know, or they'll take another another route, they'll identify the other weak link. Okay, so how do, um, how did say, your clients, for example, use your sort of project management services to, to help them manage these risks? Well, I think the key to this is having um, the, uh, the right, a good project management process and methodology in place and making sure that during the, the early stages of the project that you're recognizing the cybersecurity impact yeah. of this project. And then throughout the project, you're actually allowing time for you know, cybersecurity assessment. If it's a new application or new infrastructure that you're implementing, you're perhaps having a pen tests, penetration tests performed on that, um, uh, on that software within your environment so that you can actually understand, you know, uh, is plugging this application next to this application, our, you know, has it created a vulnerability in our organization? <laughs> Now, many vendors, um, software vendors or hardware vendors, will say, oh, our, our, our kit's already pen-tested, you don't have to do that. Um, it's important that you do it within your environment because computer systems and computer environments and modern business environments are complex environments. And very often, um, you know, uh, particularly the kinds of organizations that Fistep deals with, they have legacy systems, they're often quite acquisitive organizations, and they perhaps have two or three systems and two or three environments that have been plugged together, either for a, you know, a short time period or perhaps a longer, um, a longer period. Um, so it's important that, uh, that the tests and the pen tests are performed in your environment on that particular um, system so that uh, it can be uh, tested in a, in, a, in, a, in a realistic way as opposed to uh, uh, isolated. Sure. When I was a, a standout statistic I was reading and um, read is that uh, uh, in an, orga an organisation's own staff and people are responsible for something like 43% of the worst security inc incidents reported. So, uh, I mean, what's your recommendation there in terms of you know, enterprise-wide um, educational practices? Yeah, it's raising the awareness, um, Chris. It comes back to, you know, point two of the three things that I recommend. You know, get an, get an assessment, uh, perform um, training and raise awareness and incorporate cybersecurity within your project management uh, process and methodology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so how, how are hackers, how are they changing their tactics? Are they changing, have they changed their tactics in the last, say, three to six months that, that you could discern? Yeah, well, I, I think we're seeing, um, we are seeing, um, you know, uh, trends and uh, uh, trends in the way that uh, 
things are developing. You know, ransomware is certainly more uh, more popular at the moment uh, than it was um, you know a year ago for sure. So yeah, hackers are uh, adapting to their environment, and the environment you know for a time uh, becomes that little bit more. Um, uh, in the organization's favor for a short period of time where they you know, increase their controls and they raise the awareness of, of yep. their staff. It makes it that a little bit more difficult for a hacker to, um, to uh, gain entry to that organization. But to not to, not to continue um, evolving or, or undertaking these things is actually to move backwards. It's not to stand still yeah. uh, with an organization. So you, know, you have to make sure that um, new starters have an awareness. Um, so it's not just a... Uh, we did a training day, you know, two years ago. We raised the awareness, and uh, you know, here we are, sure. two years later, and no one knows anything about cybersecurity. You have to be, um, you know, running cybersecurity awareness events on a, you know, on a on a regular basis. So this comes into, you know, so that's why it's plugged into your, your human resources team, I guess. If you're when you're doing your reduction, two or three days when you start up an organisation. And even when I, when I remember working at various companies, in, uh, insurance companies in the past, and we'd have insurance refresher training every two years, which everyone moaned about at the time and said, oh. Sure. But you have to do the same from a, a sort of information security aspect, I guess. You definitely do. And there's changing aspects of information security, cyber security, and data protection. You know, um, data protection obviously is a, a, a constant buzzword um, you know, in Europe because of the regulation and the, the uh yeah, the regulatory requirement in Europe. We're talking about Solvency Two and all this kind of thing. Well, Solvency Two has a has a has a data quality aspect to it, but more from the data protection perspective. Um, you know, there's very specific regulation um, that organisations have to follow in in respect to the protection of personal data. But that's not only in Europe. You know, Canada has data uh, protection, data privacy le legislation, as does Australia, and the US increasingly. Um, whilst its focus is slightly different um, to the European model, you know, increasingly they're recognising that there are there are different classifications of data. You know, yes. there's sensitive data, there's personal data, and there's financially sensitive data. So your credit card, uh, for example, um, you know, your um, social security um, number. Yeah. Um, you know, those kind of things are are more valuable um, than um, than the than the numbers or the digits actually suggest uh, they are. Um, which touches on a bit of a point, I think you've written a few articles about this recently, and I think you had one article for the CII, Chartered Insurance Institute, you did, and a few other areas, mm -hmm. um, which talk, talk about things like Safe Harbor and the GDDR, who's the acronym whose uh, uh, initials escape me right now. Yeah. Um, but what, what, are, you know, what are the things that, say, CIOs and chief execs need to, to know about those things? Particular areas. Well, I think that's probably a, a subject for a podcast in itself, Chris. And you yeah. perhaps um, identified <laughs> the subject for uh, uh, for for, uh, for episode two or three. But um, you know, really, it's about understanding the information that you capture, um, having a, a good data classification uh, capability, and a part and parcel of that. You know, that all ties back into your information security and your cyber security. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, uh, it's, it's another acronym which I, I know little about, but I, I think our, our audience would be interested in hearing about. Um, as part of ISO 27001, there's, a, there's a, a requirement for an information security management system, which is described as an ISMS. So yeah. um, what is, you know, could you explain what an ISMS is? Um, yeah. 
uh, information security manager. So this is someone with a, a responsibility for um, the uh, information security within an organization. Um, you know, FISTEP helps, helps organizations by providing um, um, security officers and uh, chief information security officers. Now, these are the people who um, are really have a responsibility within an organization for um, helping the organization identify the information that it's looking to protect right. and actually helping them protect themselves. Um, part of that is what we've spoken about today, you know, awareness, training, ensuring that your project management methodology is up to, up to scratch, making sure you've done an assessment, you actually know where you are, where you're strong, where you're weak. Um, but a, uh, a CISO, a Chief Information Security Officer, for example, has the responsibility as well uh, for dealing with an incident, uh, typically within an organisation, yeah. dealing with a security breach um, incident. So um, it's all about having the incident response plan, creating an incident response plan, um, uh, knowing who you're going to communicate with on that incident response plan, knowing how to categorise and prioritise um, the nature of the incident. You know, slowly it's a bit of continuity. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Because in an extreme event, it may be that you're actually going to go into a business continuity and disaster recovery event. Yeah. Um, you know, in an extreme event, um, if if you've lost, you know, six records, um, you know, six pieces of, um, you know, data about, um, you know, about your clients, and um, actually, it's not considered to be sensitive information. You still have to deal with that, um, but it's a very different response than if you've lost millions of records, and it includes, you know, bank account details or credit card details or um, home address details or etc. Uh, etc. Et all yeah. of those things that you're 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 clients are not going to want to, um, you know, out um, and available to hackers. Okay. Would you say, is, is Cyber Essentials a good entry-level security framework, that would, you, would you say, or is it that maybe it's not uh, uh, me personally, sufficiently robust? Me personally, I'm not a big fan of Cyber Essentials. I think, um, I, I think uh, for smaller organisations, I think Cyber Essentials... Can we explain, um, what, what is, the, 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 you know, the, the, what is Cyber Essentials? Well, Cyber Essentials addresses... Um, the key points of um, where organisations very um, fall foul of um, of hackers. So it's about not patching computers and it's things like government. that. It's yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, exactly right. It's a government-sponsored uh, initiative. Um, what uh, the government did uh, was they identified um, a number of uh, key causes for. Um, uh, how organisations and how individuals were hacked, uh, and they created a you know a um, uh, a simplistic list, uh, and it was deliberately deliberately simplistic, and its aims were, uh, you know, are very um, are very good. But for most enterprise organisations, um, um, Cyber Essentials and Cyber Essentials Plus really probably isn't going to um, you know take them um, to the to the next level. Of course, they should look at it and make sure that uh, that they haven't missed something. You know, I'm not um, advocating ignoring it completely, but me personally, for most of the organisations we deal with. I think they have those things uh, covered, and they are, they have, they have that level of understanding. Okay, okay. Well, thanks, Darren. I mean, I think we've covered a lot of subject matter in this podcast. Uh, I suppose. I mean, can we? Can you? Uh, can we sum up the key points and maybe give three, three or four key takeaways from, for the audience from your perspective? I think the, the the key takeaways are what we said right at the very beginning, Chris. It's the answer to the question I always get asked. It's get an assessment. Um, understand how you're strong and, and where your vulnerabilities are in your cybersecurity environment. Um, it's about raising the awareness 
um, of your staff, um, you know, uh, whether the staff member be the receptionist, a, a janitor, or a, or a chief executive, all of those people need to have an understanding of what what part they play in the in the security of the organisation. And the third part is make sure that your projects and your change that's uh, uh, that's taking place within your organisation make sure that they are considering their part in cyber security and information security. Uh, don't just leave it to be picked up by the next um, you know, cyber security assessment or pen test, or worse still, don't get it picked up by, um, you know, by hackers and become the next uh, talk talk or target. Sure. Okay, well, uh, thank you, Darren. Uh, I think that probably uh, concludes this Fifth Step podcast. Uh, we hope you've uh, enjoyed uh, the interview uh, to all our listeners out there. Um, we'll be running a few a few more of these going forwards um, but for now um, thanks for listening and until next time thank you Darren thank you Chris <laughs>